Hello and welcome to That Film Stew. I'm Luke. And I'm Jason. In this episode, we've got another movie review, and this time we're looking at The Curse of the Weeping Woman. In other markets, it may also be known as The Curse of La Llorona. It is the sixth installment in the Conjuring universe. The Curse of the Weeping Woman is in cinemas now, so if you haven't watched The Curse of the Weeping Woman yet, but you want to, go watch it first before listening to our full review. We will be talking spoilers. Directed by Michael Chaves in his directorial debut, The Curse of the Weeping Woman, as Jason said, is set in the Conjuring universe. However, it is not a spin-off of either the Conjuring films nor the Annabelle or Nun films. It does, however, feature the character of Father Perez, played by Tony Amandola from the first Annabelle movie. Jason, you have the plot. Oh, connected tissue, that's all we need. Based on the Mexican folklore of La Llorona, the movie follows Anna Tate Garcia, played by Linda Cardellini, in Los Angeles in 1973, who must save her children, Chris and Samantha, played by Roman Cristal and Janie Lynn Kitchen, from a ghost who is trying to steal them away, as they do. We've got to start with this. It is set in the Conjuring universe. Yes. But wasn't marketed that way. At no. all. The posters even say from the producers. From the producer of the whereas, I think on the Nun, and I think one of the Annabelle, all well, the Annabelle movies, they, they, they all said of them. from the universe yes. of The Conjuring or something like that. I mean, the, the Conjuring universe is now a known brand. Mm. People know what that means. I just find it very interesting that this was clearly part of that, but they didn't market it that way. I think it was the second trailer where you got to see Father Perez. But you could even then still say... Maybe it's the same actor or conveniently playing a priest. But there was a something or other like a Some horror f- movie festival in the US or somewhere. And people watched it and then revealed it. Like yeah. it was said in the movie and it makes reference to the Annabelle doll. I mean, like they very clearly in this movie... I did. love that it is connected to the wider yeah, like, why the hell not? Conjuring universe. And it doesn't have to be a spin-off like... It's just something else that's happening. Why not? I just love this shared universe that they're building. It's it is a lot I of mean, fun. If, I mean, really, next to the MCU, is this the most successful shared? Sorry, DC, I mean, but I think so. But if like, you're looking at how much it costs to make per film and the box office, I'd say it's working. It's like, successful. Yeah. But you know, this year with the Weeping Woman and Annabelle Comes Home, it's the first year that we've had two. Conjuring movies mm. in the same year. And we have twice as many non-Conjuring movies than the Conjuring movies. That is crazy. Isn't it? <laughs> that is crazy. And, still... and, after, and after Annabelle 3, we'll have even more. <laughs> it's madness more that Annabelle that. has more, more than movies than The Conjuring. But mentioning there, the director of this movie, this being his directorial debut, his next movie is The Conjuring 3, which has gone into production. Ooh. I don't know how I feel about that. I might be... Uh... Expressing myself a little bit too much there. Before <laughs> we say what we've got to say, I've never done this before, but I, I was curious to see what was happening over on Rotten Tomatoes. Tomatoes. Okay. Rotten Tomatoes, not tomatoes. Tomatoes, tomatoes. Ah, what do you say? Let's call the whole thing off. See I was just curious where it was sitting because, again, I don't want to tip my hat too much, but there's things that I did like in this, but then I was hearing a lot of negative buzz. Now, when I checked Rotten Tomatoes, 97 reviews had a score of 33%. It's pretty low, isn't it? That is very low. Yeah. I don't think this movie deserves 33%, but 
But I was really surprised about that. I tell you, I did the same thing, uh, not just from tomorrow, but in general, reviews after like leaving the cinema. Um, it's a lot lower than I thought it should be getting. <laughs> but that's enough of what they think. Yeah, so this is about us. What we think. Now, in the lead, we have the lovely, the beautiful <laughs> Linda Cardellini. Now, the first thing I just want to say about her, the Scooby-Doo moment in the movie. No, I mean, every oh. time I see her on screen, I yes. don't think of Freaks and Geeks first. I think Freaks and Geeks. I don't think Grandma's of, Boy. I got I there as well. <laughs> I don't think of Avengers Age of, Age of Ultron. I think of Scooby-Doo. Playing her playing. So you are referring Vilma. to my trivia that I was going to do at oh, the end I of apologize. the podcast, but I'll do it now. The daughter is seen to be watching the classic Scooby Doo cartoon, and Cardellini, who plays the mum in this movie, plays Velma in the 2002 film. There's actually a shot on the screen where Cardellini is on, she's on screen, and then. Velma. It's what they do with reflection. Yeah, yeah Velma yeah. is actually on the television set as well at the same time. It's for like a split couple seconds, but it's there. It happens. And big smile on my face. I'll, I just And they did it intentionally, surely. I mean, they... The of kid course they did. Could have been watching any sort of cartoon. I mean, obviously they wanted a supernatural type cartoon for her to watch. But I mean, could have been watching Casper or... I don't know if I'm oh, revealing no. too much here, but I'm going to go ahead and say it anyway. In the cartoons, I always found that Daphne was the more attractive one out of Daphne and Velma. Yet when they presented us with the live-action movie, <laughs> it was reversed. Look, I mean, Sarah Michelle <laughs> Gellar. Have you found the same thing? I mean, I mean, they 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 they, they do her up in the second one. But, yeah, you know, Cardellini has my vote. I mean, these days, yeah, it's like Daphne's the one. Sarah Michelle Gellar's one you'd have fun with. Cardellini's one you take home to your mum. Let's get back to Lalavona <laughs> or The Weeping Woman for us here in Australia. Okay, so yeah, we've got uh, Cardellini playing Anna Tate Garcia, the mum. And yeah, I mean, she does what is expected in this role. Look, honestly, she's not doing anything too out of the box, anything unexpected, um, anything too incredible. She's doing fine. She's delivering, like you said, what she needs to deliver. I mean, she's... A, she's Portraying here a strong single parent. Yeah. Her husband died in the line of fire. Line of duty. <laughs> <laughs> He's not a fireman. He was a policeman. So I'm I thinking. That. I'm thinking that Christmas movie with the. <laughs> I think my mind went and there I'm like, as well. I bet the movie clearly said he was a fireman or something, and I missed it. Somehow okay, I missed so it. you're of course talking about. Kurt Russell in the Christmas yeah, Chronicles. Where I completely missed... Uh, Didn't the, think we'd be talking about that movie the again. Dad Especially fun. during La La Rona. Ah, it's all connected. So Dad's dead, and Mum's getting on with it, and yeah. she's got a daughter, a son, siblings, the son's older. I mean, it's it's probably more her um, her actual profession that gives her the interesting element. Her obviously working in like uh, child protection, whatever kind of... Well, I don't know what they're called... Um, yeah, I mean, child, yeah, she is child yeah. protection. So the, the you know the situation that she's thrown in where there's something social services, so that's yeah, what, yeah, something's a f- like kind of going after her kids, basically painting a picture that she is doing something dodgy as a mother. Um, so her coworkers basically have to get involved. It's sort of an interesting situation there, and they should get involved because, to her credit, she's doing a lot as a single mom, but she is. So irresponsible in this movie <laughs> and should be taking better care. So what's happening in this movie is established. There is a haunting going on. Hmm. 
So she's downstairs with a son and her daughter's upstairs on her own in the bath. And this is after. After. After yeah. she's like, oh, I don't know. Why is she yeah, leaving these kids alone? Mm. But I mean, first off, she takes the kids to a crime scene. <laughs> and then in that moment, the first interaction between the ghost and the family is the boy. And I'm thinking, is this happening? Like, is the whole movie going to happen? Because the boy, Chris, is the whole movie going to happen? Because he got out the car, he heard the weeping woman, and then she followed him. But then we find out it's actually the mother of the two kids that were taken at the beginning of the movie that put, like, a curse or, like, a hex. Well, she... Well, she does hex, but she turns Lorona's focus on the other kids so she can maybe get her kids back. It's like an exchange. That's what's going on, isn't it? Yeah. Well, the Weeping Woman is that woman from the opening season. Isn't she the one who... Oh, no, no, no. I meant she the, killed her kids. Yes. No, I, I mean the woman with the kids that's got them locked in the cabin. Oh, like, in the yeah, cupboard. in the present day, yeah. which is the So Lorona was said to be the most beautiful woman in the village, and then this rich guy came through the village, picked her as his wife, things were going well, they had kids together, he cheated with someone younger, so therefore she wanted to take the thing away from him that he loved the most, and that was his children, in a jealous rage, and then she regretted it, and then the whole thing is that she's... Her deal is she's trying to she's find... taking other people's children. Two more kids as replacement, but obviously... It's not it really just doesn't work, and you think working. after a couple of years you realise well, we it ain't we, working. We get the, is it the... There's the two boys, I think, with that other mum you were referring to, yes. so we get a few things. Yeah, there's a cool little scene... Is it like an apartment building or something? And they're walking down the hall. Are they in a hospital? Where are they? They're they're somewhere. It's, it's um, they're at the church, aren't they? Then it's like it's like an orphanage. Yeah, run by yeah, the church, yeah, like a facility. And thing. they're staying over there. There's a bit in the hallway. They, they use reflections a lot in this. Yeah. Let me say this before we go any further. <laughs> there is too much shit happening in this movie. Like too much stuff all the time. We're seeing Lalorona way too much. Like the, or less is more is always good. Always. And that is what we've been given with the other Conjuring movies. Whether it's The Conjuring, The Nun, it's I mean, always less is more. Like, with the... Con- when we're talking like just The Conjuring 1 and 2, more so that first one, it was very much that less is more. Conjuring 2, about the same, but they did throw a bit more. It the was Annabelle more. films was were a lot more. They're like... They're, I still enjoy them, but, you know, they're... they're they showed you. More. I didn't did expect more. to get to see as much of Lollarona in this as I did. There's a lot of, and it. it's just too much. And with that, you know, with the reflections, with her appearing, with her screaming, there's a lot of jump scares. It's either triggered by her appearance, the loud noises, the screaming, the bang. A heavy reliance on on jump scares, which isn't the best way to do your horror like there's other things you can play on the creep factor play on the so that's where is she the horror it's, I'm always a fan especially when it's ghost stories and stories like this less is more and they just gave me too much in this and yeah it was, it was too much but we do get good leads I think in the families who've got the mum Anna son Chris and the daughter Samantha so I think as a family unit they work Really well, yeah, and I've, the kids are—they like, are good. They're doing they really are good. good. Yeah, and yeah. again, I've not annoying. Like, no, and I've said already how much I like uh, Cardellini. I think she's yeah. she's really good. But there is for me a hero of this movie, and it is Raphael. What a guy! <laughs> Raymond, <laughs> Raymond Cruz plays even, Raphael. Even Alvera. when you think he's gonna just show the kids a little bit of his. Um, 
you know like he has a softer side he's just like nah were you scared <laughs> no <laughs> yeah, at the end it was like were you scared for like a minute it's like oh yeah 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 really no gets in the car rides away but like he does his whole thing and he's lighting the candles and he's and, and the whole thing we're told that he's very unorthodox so he's not turned his back on the church he still believes in God but he wants to do things his own way and help people well, actually, his I own way he hasn't turned his back on God but he's turned his back on the church did I say the opposite thing no you just said he, okay, he so hasn't yeah, done so anything <laughs> okay but he's yeah okay yeah you're right Turn it back on his church, on the church. So he's still got God in him, but yeah, he's not, uh, the, the so church system is He's beaten to his own drum, and it's actually Father Perez that recommends him as a last resort, just because he could take maybe six months to I mean, go through the church, and, obviously, and the family won't survive. Father Perez has been six months. shaken and sort of pushed due to the things that happened in Annabelle. It opened his sort of world a bit there. So you've got the bit with the candles, and, and he's setting something up, and Chris, the young boy, is like, you know, what are you doing? And he makes reference to doing a magic trick. But then if we jump to the end where we to see that Lalorona is defeated and then it's sort of like it's been a bit like horror slash action. There's all this stuff going on. And then Raphael just goes, ta-da! <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> I generally likes that. I mean, yeah. For, added, added some needed levity to that moment. For this type of movie to have, I guess, like, uh, I think calling him a comic relief here is going a bit too far. But, yeah, no, it just... Adds a good amount of just enjoyable character to something that might have just come across as very dull and dry. Yeah, it was a good flavour from him. I'd seen bits of him in the trailer when, you know, he's in it a little bit at the beginning of the movie, but I didn't realise how much I was going to enjoy this character. <laughs> all, I can, all I remember from the trailers was the bathtub scene. I don't know why. That probably sounds really creepy, but, you know, a kid drowning sort of thing. It is really creepy, but just that... But the, I don't remember any of the But the line, though, where the young yeah. girl, where Samantha just goes, rinsing, <laughs> that whole <laughs> thing, and it's set up earlier in the movie. But that's the thing. We've talked many times on the podcast. Trailers give so much away. So we're about halfway through the movie, and then the mum, Anna, is washing the girl's hair. You're just waiting for Lola Rona. You're like, oh, okay. You've already Even seen now it or later it's on. It's still a good scene as it plays out in the movie, but it because you've seen it so many times in the trailers. That's why I think what I'd like to do, even if I am going to watch a trailer, I try to just get the vibe and tone from the from the trailer and then try to zone out on actual details and information to the point where I actually forget actors that are in the movie, characters, the certain uh, plot sort of directions and stuff, but it seems to be working. So before we get to our rating, what was your cinema experience like? Because for me, it's the worst experience I've had in a very long time because here in Australia, it's an M-rated horror film. Mm. So kids were in my screening. And when they were doing the scares, and this movie for me had way too many jump scares, but whenever they would happen, you could hear the young kids like overcompensating by potentially jumping at the scares <laughs> and just <laughs> laughing fun. and then talking over what was happening nah, that's and just hearing fun. things like I'm not even scared are you scared it's had a lot of little shits in my and screaming. it's just like shut up so it, rat. it happened there a lot. and then when the movie actually finished and the lights came on they were younger than I thought or they looked younger because than I thought they would be I mean M rating how old do you need to be you'd, no, no you, could, you could be five. Oh, really seven year old walking there wow that's quite surprising okay yeah, well, that's how they got in there. Other M-rated movies, you could go see Avengers, like you know. Oh, I suppose, yeah. Yeah. I mean, as a cinema worker, you'd probably be like, "Why is this five-year-old coming and buying a ticket by themselves?" But, and I reckon 
I mean, obviously, they want as, as many no people as possible to watch this movie. But if they would have held back more on Lorona, I reckon they'd have been looking at more like an MA. I think the fact that they showed uh, that much actually took it away from almost became cartoony. <laughs> and it and it was like, like you know Scooby Doo. <laughs> yes, but you know when she's screeching, she's screaming, and you do feel jeopardy for the family. But but for me, you did see you saw it that way probably. too much, way too much. So I went to a um uh, at one of our cinema chains that we have in Perth. They they have like a special like horror screening where they. Those Fright Nights. That's you, right. You know, I did see you yeah, went to one. So, so yeah, people in costumes and stuff. That was pretty cool. Like, it was fun. You know, we went and they try and spook you before you know, you're going and there's ominous music playing. So that was really cool. That was a cool little thing. Um, but I tell you, we did have to... We had to move seats. Oh, really? Like halfway through. We got about... It was about half an hour into the movie and there was just a noise from coming from one side of us and it was just like we can't deal with this person oh, so I, I kind of thought you were going to go the other way thinking that maybe people that are attending a screening like that are there for the right reasons and want you would, to watch you the would movie think, I mean we had a couple squealers at the back but I think they were genuinely like they just couldn't contain themselves <laughs> like it was yeah like, that can like, you know like jump scares like I said that's what jump scares sometimes do, but... the audience can help like make a, a horror movie exactly. even better like a more enjoyable it's experience just like going to a comedy that's really full of people like the latter you get caught up in it but this was just like this constant jabbering noise and we just had to move either that or politely tell them to shut up but we don't do that because we're awkward so we moved but yeah, it was not the worst not the worst sort of horror screening I've been to though so the movie then <laughs> to, rate, <laughs> to rate the movie I think we <laughs> we're just trying to fill out this episode aren't we we're just Running short. Oh, we both made valid points. And I, I didn't mean, forget until you mentioned it that you went to a special screening, so yeah. that was definitely Wait, kind of, worth yeah. mentioning. Yeah. Um, but, do you know what? This, and if you want to do a quick comparison to the other Conjuring movies, I mean, The Nun is my least my least favourable one. This is better than The Nun. Yeah, um, we, like, we didn't cover The Nun because we got married. Not to other... <laughs> yeah, to other people. Once again. To we got people. married separately, yeah. But we, we didn't cover the nun because it, it was we released during really that time. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I did not rate that. Oh my God, the, the, the worst. Um, it's not as good as the Annabelle movies, which again, still aren't as good as the Conjuring movies. But, you know, like, it was fine. It was satisfactory. You know, it went along with the ride. Yeah, things weren't really working. It was a bit too much showy. Not enough tension. By the end of the movie, it was just sort of going through the motions, ticking off the boxes. I'm happy to give it a three out of five. Nothing overly amazing about it, though. You know, I should mention as well, I didn't realise until watching the movie, it was set in the 70s. Okay. <laughs> but I, I legitimately... Makes I sense like that, that watching Scooby Doo. If you give me a horror movie and without modern technology... I'm more engaged. I'm more into it. And that's why yeah. I like the Conjuring movies, Annabelle. You get that extra element of set design, of costuming, You can't vehicle. just pull out your mobile phone and call the police. Yeah, like, you know, the actual situation calls for other elements. And just and stuff. the design, like the style, the look of the cars, the clothing, it just, that's how I like my horror. And it's why I do really like the Conjuring movies. I love like a horror situation where things are happening to characters and they don't just pull out their laptop and Google. Exactly. Lerona. Like, what's she all about? They've got to go around. They've got to talk to people. They're talking to the priest. He's yeah, telling that's them. that's it. It adds so much to the story. So those elements, I'm really mm. liking. The Conjuring movies, we've just had two so far, but they are another level. Like, I 
hold them to a high standard. And then the other horror movies are enjoyable, whether it's, you know, Annabelle, aspects of the nun, but... It, but not really. It's, <laughs> it is a bit of a misfire, but I'm not bothered. You know, because they're doing these, like, numerous spin-offs, and it's sort of like, it I mean, might be good, it might not be good. The focus for me is on the Conjuring movies. I'm still baffled that they didn't market this as a Conjuring movie. I still reckon it was supposed to be a twist, like a reveal almost. Like, oh, you know, like... Oh, okay. And that Shyamalan style, you know, with that movie. But I like how, <laughs> when they mention in the movie how it is connected, it didn't feel clunky. It was... It yeah, ju- it, it just it didn't feel shoehorned. We do... I've said it, I think, twice already, maybe more. We see La Llorona too much. We really do. And, and less is more in these kind of horror movies, that has affected my score, but I, I'm still surprised at how low critics are going on this. I'm, I'm with you. I'm going to give this a three out of five. Like, I enjoyed the cast. There's some good visuals in there. Uh, some genuine jumps, and it's, yeah, it's, it's a fun movie. But you said twist there. We kind of get one, don't we? When we see really? the mum's reflection in the puddle, and you kind of like... Has it passed on to her? Like, Lorona's gone. But are we now going to get maybe a sequel to this where it opens up with the mum from this movie turning on her kids? I didn't actually... See, she kind of lingers and the kids are inside. Yeah, I remember that reflection. But, you know, because you see her reflection so much throughout the movie, you know, like, they they do a lot of things with mirrors and stuff. I just thought it, it just meant... Oh, she's still about. I think still it's, around. I think it's I didn't think it was, up. you know, a possession or transference sort of thing. I didn't read it like that, but maybe that's, maybe that's how that's how I took it. And, it. and it could be a case of if this movie does okay, but not well enough to get a sequel, it'll just be this. But if it does better, then maybe we'll get Cardellini coming back as the Weeping Woman, the, the new Lollarona. I would do trivia, but you you beat me to it. <laughs> so that's it for our... Would Scooby-Doo trivia? Yeah, and I've got yeah. nothing else off the top of my head. That's it for our review of The Curse of the Weeping Woman. Please go subscribe and download this podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. And please leave us a review. It helps listeners just like you find the podcast. We're on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as That Films You Podcast. And we also have our sister shows, Rewind and Review and Sounds Like Comics, which each have their own Facebook pages. If you missed it, we recently did a review on the latest Hellboy. Rewind and Review also did a recent episode looking at that original Hellboy from 2004. Lots of Hellboy. And up next from us, potentially a movie that Linda Cardellini might also be in. Oh, yes. I'm not sure. Grandma Boys 2. <laughs> Uh, Avengers Endgame may or may not be in that movie may or may not be dusted we will find out and I will find out tomorrow (laughs) and I will find out the day after actually by the time you guys are listening to this podcast like I've already seen it you've already seen it and we liked it no maybe oh I don't know (laughs) you've been listening to Luke and Jason the guys from that film stew see you soon La La Rona. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way of remembering it.